Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. The Innovators Network. Kim McNicholas on Innovation. Spotlighting successful entrepreneurs, innovators, investors, and industry experts. Their stories and insights can help you become better informed, better educated, and a better investor. Your host is Emmy Award-winning anchor, reporter, and writer Kim McNicholas. Kim has been a journalist at Forbes magazine, a Fox News Channel contributor, vetted more than 3,000 startups, and has been a mentor for entrepreneurs around the globe. Now, Kim McNicholas on innovation. Welcome to the show. Many of you know that I have an extensive sports background, having become the first female sports director, main evening sports anchor in the San Francisco Bay Area, along with my own racing show, also having been sideline reporter for the Pac-12. Sometimes I do miss being in the game. Well, that's why any chance I get, I absolutely love bringing to you a new show in my sports innovation series, marrying my passion for sports and technology. So today is all about sports innovation, and no one knows more about the industry than legendary sports agent Lee Steinberg calling in from, are you in L.A., Lee? I am in Newport Beach. Newport Beach? What are you doing down in Newport Beach? Is that where you live? I do, and I'm just watching uh, boats on the water. Oh, gosh, that's a dream. (laughs) (laughs) Now I know where you get your inspiration for innovation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've always been able to look at water, and uh, my office for many years was in Berkeley, uh, and we looked out over the Bay Bridge and Alcatraz and the city, and... uh, Having a a world view and then having a map up in my office helps me uh, see the world in a larger way. It's interesting. They always, I've heard this a number of times, that water is actually a conductor of energy. So there might be something to it. (laughs) Well, come down and take a dip with me. Oh, I would love to. I love Southern California. It's absolutely gorgeous. I think it's sunny almost uh, (laughs) (laughs) 24-7. Sun always shines in Hollywood. (laughs) Well, you know, probably a lot of people don't really know these days that you have had such a huge impact on the San Francisco Bay Area and sports here, particularly with the San Francisco Giants, that you actually saved the Giants, didn't you? Well, the group of us did. Um, It was 1992, and the owner of the Giants had actually made a deal with a group of businessmen in the Tampa Bay area to move the team, and it was signed. It was done. And it struck me, even though I had grown up as a Dodger fan, um, Boo, Dodgers, boo. (laughs) I had lived for many years, uh, you know, in Berkeley. And it just struck me as wrong to break the hearts of uh, young fans. Yeah. uh, And and that it was a real threat to the vitality and business climate of uh, the Bay Area. So Frank Jordan, the mayor, called me, asked me to come up. And it really was a fait accompli. They were doing goodbye to the Bay Area 
uh, games on ESPN. Oh, no. Um, and it was a done deal. But um, we're able to, to turn the tide, get people to not think of it as a fait accompli. Then to, uh, I had a friend, Larry Bear, who I asked to come back from uh, New York. To, right, he's uh, current COO of the Giants. Right, to help assemble because he had good roots in San Francisco and could probably find owners. And, uh, and then Frank Jordan and I went on a big speaking campaign to get people excited. And then we went to the National League and said it's against the best interests of of Major League Baseball to allow this team to be ripped out of the heart of fans. And uh, eventually um, we were able to, to save the team. And um, I did a similar thing with Eli, Elihu Harris, the mayor of Oakland, uh, in 1994 when the A's were threatening to mm-hmm. move. And we put a campaign together that said there is no um, – Oakland without without the A's, with the A's and the name highlighted. Can you save the Raiders? (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's really no reason the Raiders should be leaving Oakland. Right? Um, And uh, They also have some of the most amazing fans. I went to one of the games recently, and they have such a contagious energy about them. It's the fifth largest market in the country, Mm -hmm. and it can handle two teams. Remember, uh, football... Uh, uh, filling a stadium is only 10 home games. So it's like 10 concert events. And given the long, long heritage that team uh, uh, has, uh, if you start moving sports teams just on a whim, um, without giving an area time to build a new uh, stadium, then... uh, they can stop claiming that they're your Oakland Raiders or your San Francisco 49ers. There's an implied duty that people in the area have to support the team come win or lose. But if the team can move, if it's not as much an institution as the Golden Gate Bridge, then uh, what what motivation is there for fans to put their heart and uh, economics into it? Yeah, that's the big question for the San Francisco 49ers as well, or should I call them the Santa Clara 49ers? They can't even fill the stadium. That's their brand-new stadium they thought would attract all the fans. Well, if you look back, I mean, uh, from Joe Montana to my client Steve Young, uh, that team has been beloved in the uh, uh, Bay Area, but they're on rough times. But I will tell you this, John Lynch, who's a former client of mine who's now uh, the general manager is so smart, so astute that give him a little time and they'll be back uh, very competitive again. You you think so? They're going to start filling the stands? Well, it won't happen this year. But... <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> but they, uh, but their draft was a really good one, and uh, and they just traded for an outstanding quarterback, which is the critical key. So I think they'll be fine. Wow. Well, you know, I don't know if people realize that, you know, you were, in fact, the inspiration for Tom Cruise's character in 1996's Jerry Maguire movie. And, um, you know, but the one thing, you know, Tom's character, Tom Cruise's character, Jerry, really was known as, you know, a guy who only wanted to do what was right, not necessarily just what would bring in the big bucks. And so he ventured off on his own and he bucked the trend. And that's typically what innovators do. They pave their own path. But Honestly, I'm not sure how innovative Jerry really was in the movie versus simply being an upstanding human being. 
In what way does your innovative prowess differentiate you, actually, from Tom's character, Jerry? Well, um, t- uh, first of all, Jerry Maguire is a fictitious character written right. by Cameron Crowe. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did, the director did spend a year and a half following me around, mm-hmm. and everywhere we went to a draft, to league meetings, to Super Bowls, to games, uh, the 49er games, to sitting in my office. Um, and I told him lots and lots of uh, stories. Our firm, back in 1975, uh, I, I started, I was a dorm counselor in an undergrad dorm at Berkeley. And they moved the freshman football team, and the first player picked in the 1975 draft was someone who lived there, Steve Bartkowski, and I was a year out of law school, and he asked me to represent him. The thing I saw in that very first signing is how athletes are the movie stars and celebrities in communities across the country. Mm-hmm. And my dad had two core values. One was to treasure relationships. Right, family family. And the second was to try to make a difference in a positive way and help people who couldn't help themselves. So I saw then that athletes could be role models. And we made it a requirement in our firm that each of the athletes we work with go back to the high school community, set up a scholarship fund, or work at the church or boys and girls club, but put down roots at the collegiate level, go back and endow a scholarship or help with the weight room and bond themselves to those alums, and then at the professional level, put together a charitable um, community program, a foundation with leading business figures, political figures, and uh, uh, community leaders to execute a program. So Work Dunn, who was a running back with Tampa and Atlanta, just put the 162nd single mother and her home into the first uh, uh, and mother into the first home they'll ever own by making the down payment and outfitting it. So it's athletes changing lives. Mm-hmm. It's the power of sports to take an issue like bullying and get pro and college players to work with high school players to change the culture uh, from bullying in a high school or middle school to tolerance. Mm-hmm. Um, so that role modeling power um, it, it was really critical, and, and, and we've run a practice that has tackled uh, concussion and, and bullying and uh, climate change with individuals who've made real differences. We'll come up right here on Kim McNicholas on innovation. We'll find out just how closely Lee Steinberg has followed those values his dad instilled in him and what role they still play in his career as he focuses on paving a new innovative path in sports. Stay with us. Now, back to Kim McNicholas on innovation. Lee Steinberg has been rated in the top 10 most powerful people in the NFL and the top 20 most powerful people in all of sports. He's represented the number one overall pick in the NFL draft eight times, and his clients have included Steve Young, Troy Aikman, Warren Moon, Drew Bledsoe, and honestly, that is just to name a few. Lee, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. A book you wrote, The Agent, My 40-Year Career of Making Deals and Changing the Game, details your career. How is it that you crafted your deals for athletes in such an innovative way that was different than any other agent in the industry? Well, the first thing we did was to make sure that that the deals, if we could, had a good impact on society so that 
you mentioned Drew Bledsoe. Uh, part of his contract was to put a million dollars into charities in uh, Boston. So oh, wow. that was the key. But then it was having a salary cap that was designed to take money away from rookies and certain players, but it wasn't written that way. So the question is, can you uh, make an analysis of a contract situation and um, make sure it's thorough, but then can you think outside the square? Can you conceptualize a solution uh, that's innovative, that, that allow someone to be more heavily compensated um, w- without just sitting and, and battling because confrontation uh, is unacceptable in sports because we have short playing lives. So mm. the point is, how creative can you be in, in creating new clauses, concepts, ways for players to be paid uh, that don't fit the norm? So what has been the most innovative thing you have seen or have placed in one of the contracts? <laughs> we did a thing called voidable years, which okay. said that a player got a big signing bonus uh, in return. He signed a long-term contract, but if he played 40% of the plays over the first three years, or if he started X games in year three, the last three years of the contract would go away and he'd be able to renegotiate. So he'd get a big bonus uh, a few years of salary and then be able to negotiate right away again so he wasn't stuck. Wow. I would imagine that you're starting to build up that creative prowess and get those juices flowing as we head into new negotiations and the NFL struggling as it is right now due to this tumultuous political environment and players bringing in their, their, um, their personal uh, campaigns. Uh, although they're good ones for equality and injustice and fighting for the rights for people. Um, but fans, some of the fans disagree, and they're losing a lot of money for so many different reasons. How are you gearing up for new negotiations going into the next season? Well, I think the problem uh, basically is that once you protest, and I was the old student body president of Berkeley, once you protest for a while, the goal is not to simply protest. It's The protest is to bring attention to a problem. Mm-hmm. So really in the NFL, the focus needs to switch on actual programs that can be done by players and by owners that might help in the inner city, that might do preschool education, that might do uh, job retraining, that might facilitate a better dialogue with the police. So the point is to stop protesting and start actually acting on the the problems that they have. Understand that even with all of this, the ratings for the NFL still dwarf any other form of entertainment in this country. It's the top one, two, five, five of the top ten Nielsen-rated shows Mm. uh, every single week. Part of the problem is hot levels are dropping in general uh, in television. And the challenge going forward is that as a millennial generation starts to unplug the cable networks that they've been receiving and starts to simply go straight to uh, Hulu and Netflix uh, and Amazon, um, it, it threatens the traditional network structure. Well, the major source of money in, in football, baseball, basketball has been TV money mm-hmm. occasioned by lost leader bidding where people 
to build their network spent more money on rights fees than they could ever recoup. So that's a threat going forward. Uh, the other problem is concussion. So concussion is the existential threat to football. What we know Why have they not solved this problem? I don't understand. With the technological advancements that we have today, I mean, it, it just blows my mind that we haven't solved this problem. Because Kim's league was in denial uh, for many, many years. So in order going, to innovate, they would have to admit that there's a problem. Exactly. And that's a problem. And so the reality is each time an offensive lineman hits a defensive lineman at the inception of every football player, it produces a low-level sub-concussive mm. event. So an offensive lineman could walk out of football with 10,000 sub-concussive events none of which have been diagnosed, none of which he's aware of, but the aggregate almost certainly does brain damage. So if 50% of the moms in this country know these facts and tell their teenage boys, you can play any sport but not tackle football, it won't kill football, but it will turn it into a gladiator sport uh, because the socioeconomics will change dramatically. The only people who would play football would be those that desperately needed to escape poverty. And so that's a slippery slope. So I've held a series of concussion conferences. Right, and you have one coming up, don't you, in the spring? We do. I held the first one in 1994, uh, and we issued a white paper telling the league exactly how to uh, fix things um, where – You'd have new helmetry that used coil and compression to attenuate or displace the energy field. You'd, you would do practice and preseason without hitting. Um, this is not simply an NFL problem. It's a field hockey, AYSO, college and high school football problem. So um, we need to dramatically move on this. So we've been trying to innovate. I've been helping to support businesses that that will be part of either prevention or, or faster detection or ultimately cure, and that may be stem cells. Oh, wow. Actually, my parents have had stem cells. They say that they're incredible. They truly, truly have an impact. Yes. So there's all sorts of uh, uh, innovation. We're seeing innovation in, in uh, the Internet in big ways because sports-themed content is bringing fans closer. Back in the 90s, I created uh, a company called the Athlete Direct, and we put Ken Griffey Jr., Michael Jordan, and football quarterbacks up. You still had to use AOL then. <laughs> I remember did, that. You've got so, mail. So, exactly. <laughs> so what happened was uh, it became a big hit, and, and people for the first time could read a weekly diary of an athlete. They could read about the charity. They could... Uh, buy things uh, through e-commerce. So um, we put a couple hundred thousand dollars into it. We sold our share about three years later for $25 million. So we continue to look at projects like that. What, uh, the new mode of communication is the cloud, and um, it, it's, it's not changing. It's not it's simply going to continue moving exponentially. So the question is, what websites can we develop? What concepts? I'll give you an example. I wrote an article for Sports Business Journal on the future of sport. Mm-hmm. And I said, how will you keep millennials 
uh, who grow up on YouTubing and tweeting and, and Snapchatting in their seats for four hours at a football game or baseball game. So I said, let's put a monitor in front of every seat, and down one side uh, will run your fantasy stats, and down the other side of that monitor will run your gambling bets, and underneath you can... Uh, text so you can talk smack to people in or out of the stadium. Like all all fans do. We'll we'll let the fans vote on one play call a game that the coach has to call and we'll let the fans vote on one uh, call that a ref makes that they can overturn. Mm -hmm. And then when you touch that that screen you can order directly from the snack bar, uh, snack bar and when you touch it you can it unleashes a torrent of uh, puzzles quizzes games content which all at the end monetizes it's all engagement we'll coming up right here on Kimmy nicholas on innovation lee steinberg will address what he sees that will usher in a paradigm shift in sports how teams entertainment personalities and agents operate in the future so stay with us now, back to Kim McNicholas on innovation. Welcome back to the show. Lee Steinberg is a polarizing individual as some of the most innovative entrepreneurs are. He shares some of the same characteristic traits of people like Steve Jobs or even Elon Musk. And yes, uh, maybe even Donald Trump, if you want to stretch a little bit. And there's a lot to be learned from these high achievers. They're not afraid to ruffle some feathers. They set their mind to something and they can't imagine what could keep them from manifesting it. So. They can't help but achieve it. And they own up to both their strengths and their vulnerabilities. Or should I say, they know their weaknesses and find ways to spin them into strengths and get other people to focus on those as well. Now, Lee, you've overcome so many obstacles in your career, bankruptcy, DUI arrest, addiction. And with all of that, critics find themselves as the loudest voices in the room in in many senses. How do you continue to maintain your focus and persevere anyway with your innovative mindset? So back in the 2000s, I was overwhelmed by a series of personal problems, and I started uh, using alcohol. And in 2010, I decided um, this had gone far enough. If nothing else, I'd be a good father and I'd be sober. So that was about seven and a half years ago. That was really, what was that exact aha moment for you? Um, It was sitting on my father's bed, and my only thought really at that point was where I could find more alcohol. Mm. And I realized that that I wasn't a starving peasant in Darfur, that I hadn't um, been named Steinberg in Nazi Germany in the 30s, that I didn't have cancer. So what real excuse was there not to be resilient? Resilience will save you every time. You will get knocked back in life, knocked down, but the question is, can you get back up? You're going to get pushed back by setbacks, but the question is, you know, instead of dwelling in that, can you just get back up and get uh, moving again? So Right. That's easier um, said than done. Um, well, so, you know, with the help of friends, um, with resilience um, and a sense of perspective, um, I was able to get going and rebuild a firm that's currently flourishing. Um, and part of it, too, is to do enough reading, do enough public speaking, do enough moving around that you absorb um, 
where this world is going, in other words, where climate change is uh, taking us, where uh, artificial intelligence is taking us, where um, we're going to see opportunities. Um, so in the area of sports, we've been able to build a series of businesses. Um, the question is, for example, could you develop an analytic that would um, help a college in their recruiting process so that they know that someone has aberrational behavioral tendencies. Mm. So you avoid the problem person or has a, a fear of failure or fear of success. Is there a way to, to help a college in recruiting? Is there a way to help the pros in their draft process? Um, when we take the whole concept of conditioning, we look at everything from biological water that that sustains energy in a, in, in a more dramatic way to, to a variety of nutrition um, and, and health concepts. Well, everything we can develop in the athletic sense, if it validates for um, athletes, if they'll vouch for it, then it can quickly spread into the mainstream. So it's all you know, innovation and how to live longer, how to live healthier, how to have more energy, and how in sports the tiniest little percentage of, of uh, boost uh, translates into major success. So we continue to innovate in that, like in concussion, where you can um, find new products. There's now a profit motive uh, in it. And in education, where we've been doing agent academies, uh, training a new generation of ethical, principled sports professionals, uh, along with uh, my young, younger partner, Chris Cabot. And we've been doing um, a sports career. So instead of just sitting and bemoaning what's happening in sports, um, we're doing online education to try to mentor a um, younger generation. So you just, you know, when you got to that lowest level, you, you know, just said, okay, this is where I'm at. But then you started envisioning, it's all about vision, where you want to be and really got excited about it. And through that excitement, it's almost like you were able to leave some of those obstacles behind and just get over those road bumps. You know, I was fortunate to be raised by parents who were sort of endlessly optimistic so that aside from that brief spell in my life, um, I, I believe that, that things will work out, that, mm -hmm. that um, if you have a set of problems, instead of being overwhelmed by them, you just write them down the long list of all the pressing issues you have. Tackle the first one first, then tackle the second one. Don't look at the totality of it. But innovation is uh, so much fun to be first. In, in, um, in sports, we put together the first time an agent has ever held a big Super Bowl party, and now it's been done for 30 years. Um, and we give philanthropic awards out to an owner, a general manager, a coach, a player, and a retired player. And we use that format for example, to do a live hookup between the 5,000 people at the party and troops in Afghanistan, or to green up the party. So in uh, 
terms of the environment, we've created a sporting green alliance that takes sustainable technology and wind, solar, recycling, resurfacing, and water uh, to integrate that into state arena and practice fields to drop carbon emissions and energy costs and to transform them into educational platforms. So when you go to a game, the millions of fans that go to games, you see a waterless hero, you see a solar panel. So we put sports in the forefront of rolling back climate change. Wow, that's amazing. Well, coming up right here on Kim McNicholas on innovation, we'll have more with Lee Steinberg, and we'll hear more of where he's placing his bets in investments on sports. But first, let's find out what is on my holiday wish list. Happy high-tech holidays. What's on my shopping list this year that's incredibly innovative? Well, throw out the paper cards, say goodbye to e-cards. This Hallmark holiday is going digital. And it's not the biggest name in cards that's on the cutting edge. It's Engaging Invites that has created digital cards that include a self-contained HD video screen that plays a 30-second to 3-minute video that you create yourself. And it's rechargeable. We have one of the owners on with us right now, Ashley Heather. You know, Ashley, marketing is all about content, content, content. Give us three quick examples of how companies have used your cards this holiday season. So our V-cards have been used in three main ways. The first is a great invitation for all those holiday parties that are coming up. It's a great way to guarantee an RSVP. Those people who receive a video invite know that they're going to come to something special. The second way is using it to engage your audience at an event. Put these video cards on the tables and let people browse content and be entertained while they're at your event, launch party, or holiday party. And then the final way is as a party favor. So leave them in a party bag, load them up with some great free content or some offers that can be enjoyed and discovered when your guests back, get back home. I would imagine it would backfire if you simply send a commercial for your business, right? It's about sending content that really means something for your customers, your friends, your family, right? Yeah, you've got it right. So that's why our pre-designed V-cards, which are a brand new product we're launching this holidays, are so popular with consumers. Maybe you had a baby recently or just moved home and you want to celebrate those life moments in a different way uh, with family and friends. So this is the kind of content that they'll enjoy day over day, year over year. Um, And so we're seeing that very popular right now. For more on Engaging Invites, go to engaginginvites.com. Now, back to Kim McNicholas on innovation. Welcome back to the show. We have legendary sports and entertainment agent Lee Steinberg, who also has a venture capital arm, a joint venture with Alpha Strategies. And their goal is to explore sports-related investments in startups ranging from entertainment projects such as movies and TV pilots and digital content to sports properties, consumer goods, food and beverage, sports safety, health, concussion-related products, apparel, gaming, and apps. (gasps) Lee, what don't you do? (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's an exciting world out there in sports that extends from um, how you deliver content, the delivery system, Mm -hmm. to what the content is on the Internet, to sports-related motion pictures um, and television. We have a series of motion picture uh, projects that are are at at various stages of uh, development. Um, They want to, there are several people that want to make my autobiography, The Agent, into uh, a feature film. We have 
television shows that we're looking at, but it's it's how can you bundle up athletes and athletic concepts on the internet to move a fan closer to sport. So one of the other articles I wrote was putting a person into a chair in their uh, uh, living room and through virtual reality and augmented reality, Mm -hmm. you can tune up any kind of sports experience they want. So they're watching a game, uh, baseball, basketball, they could have the thrill uh, through through high tech of feeling like they're hitting the home run. Right. Sacramento Kings are already doing something with virtual reality or augmented reality where you can actually put yourself in the uniforms and check out the brand new uniforms the team is looking at. Exactly. So that they're using it for everything Mm -hmm. from selling ticket locations to to uh, and we use it in in sports. So, for example, a quarterback can visualize uh, the plays. But the oh, wow. point is, can we put this into an entertainment factor that has um, allows people to 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 do things like that? So, for example, um, one of the ways with new stadia being built across the country, mm-hmm. you build a two million dollar stadium. And a two billion dollar stadium. I was going to say two million. <laughs> it's just like Dr. Evil. Two million dollars. <laughs> so you build a two billion dollar stadium for football, and then there are ten home dates. Mm-hmm. So the question is, that doesn't make much sense in terms of use. And then you've got 355 other days, and there's only so many concerts and uh, tractor pulls you can do. Right. So the question is. Could you create a sports town that would be um, that would be proximate to that stadium that would give you daily traffic that would um, uh, by making it a Disneyland uh, a high tech Disneyland of sports rides so you'd use virtual reality uh, high tech concepts to create rides a la Disneyland. Um, exhibits, um, uh, and it would be a way to generate, people would come as a tourist destination, that would be a way to generate um, all sorts of uh, traffic and revenue that would that would create vitality in an entertainment zone. We pushed that years ago for the L.A. Rams, and now you're starting to see things like that develop, but I mean, it's. I mean, what does that really look like? And this is something I would imagine that your venture capital arm is looking to invest in. So you're you probably want entrepreneurs to pitch you and to help you create this. Well, so the point is that that the land proximate to a stadium, instead of simply being parking, you do parking a, a better, more sophisticated way, and you use rapid transit and all mm-hmm. sorts of things. That frees up land, and that land can have hotels. That land can have this Disneyland entertainment zone. That land can have you know retail, um, and but there's a series of rides and exhibits so that properly designed, it would take a day for you to go through it. Um, and it would be all sports, and it would be all concepts, so that you know you might again, as we said, have the thrill 
of feeling like you're playing quarterback. You might have a whole variety of uh, inter- interactive uh, rides. So, so who is closest to making this or bringing this to light? I mean, you're, you said you're trying with the LA Rams, but... We well, haven't. We, try, we tried in the past. Now they're building a new stadium, and um, it's all bells and whistles. It's it's how many different interesting ways can you enjoy the same mm-hmm. sports experience? So um, you will see new stadia and arenas built, even though the old ones still are perfectly suitable for playing football, baseball, basketball. But every uh, owner who has a stadium much over 15, 20 years wants a new one. And that's, of course. that's because of the ability to do naming rights, jumbo mm-hmm. uh, scoreboards, um, uh, turn it into an entertainment zone. The concept is this. If you go to a baseball game and you follow a team, um, even if they're having a great winning uh, year and they win 90 games, you're still going to see, like for a home team, you're still going to see 30 games where they lose. Yes. (laughs) So the concept is turning it into a, a fun experience. It's how many things can you give fans to do? Um, You know, how many pictures can you, put them into you know, with their with their favorite athletes how many uh it's 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 a photograph that that puts a fan in the stand at the most critical moment and juxtaposes those two things in a way you can keep as as memorabilia i mean there's endless creative ways to to uh create excitement um, and a fun experience in in a stadium. So we think and, about all those things. And Steinberg Sports is making that happen. Thank you so much, Lee Steinberg. Go to SteinbergSports.com for more. This has been Kim McNicholas on Innovation. You can connect with Kim on Facebook forward slash Kim McNicholas or email Kim McNicholas at gmail.com. Be sure to join us again next Friday at 1 for Kim McNicholas on Innovation. This show is distributed by the Innovators Network. For more information and other great shows and content, visit theinnovators.network.